You are in the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole was conceptualized upon a deal made with comedian Rob Beckett. Each week we throw a topic of conversation down the hole and see where we end up. Welcome to the rabbit hole. What's so important about being real online? Find out as I discuss authenticity, purpose, time management, and filmmaking with the multi-talented entrepreneur and owner of the real life of brands, Marina Conway-Gordon. For as long as I've known her, Marina has always been entrepreneurial, owning her first physiotherapy business back in the early 2000s. She is now a social media expert, specializing in authenticity. I wanted to know what her journey had been, from the hedonistic days when I first knew her back in around about 2003, when we were both very much starting out, until now. What has been the journey since then? Um, Gosh, I was just reflecting on this this morning, actually. I was doing a post on Instagram, and it was actually about... um, having a business coach and how I've got one now and how that you know was never the case before because when I um when I when I knew you and would just come out of uni and I'd started that business and it was my first business and um you know looking back quite a lot of it was a struggle I think so I was sort of reflecting on that today so it's really funny that we've got straight into that Mm. um but yeah gosh that was such a journey though um I absolutely loved being self-employed from the start I think that was a big thing I was like I just I don't see myself in an office at all (laughs) I think immediately I was like nope I want to do my own thing and um it was really fun and it was always really creative you always had to kind of think on your feet and think outside the box. And I, I really enjoyed that bit of it. I really did. And, um, and that's why I'm, you know, started an, another business now. There was a break in between where I worked for someone doing storytelling and branding. And we did a lot of social media. And at the time in that industry, which was property and real estate, people were just cottoning on to the whole social media thing. So we were able to grow really quickly in that space. So that's kind of I guess the journey went from sort of um people and yeah people in therapy through to kind of people's stories and expressing and articulating those stories and now it's just kind of constantly a mixture of both I'm hearing people's stories and helping them to articulate more and be more personal through their uh, business branding online you're still in the property space A bit. I definitely still have some property clients and it's a great it's actually a really great space to work in because they have so much the the property sector has so many, you know, the journey of a of say a property development or a or a redevelopment or refurb has an incredible journey to it already, you know, before we've come in and sort of like dug around, there's already this kind of amazing transformation going on. So it is a really lovely space to help people to show a bit more of that and show themselves in that process. Um, Not just the before and afters of, you know, that we see on TV of like 
a terrible rundown moldy room and then you know a wonderful <laughs> palace for someone but actually the people the people doing the work um it's an industry where it, it, it to, to my understanding is incredibly hard work all round um it's financial it's creative it's people you know it's a very all round requires um people who have a an all round skill set so I find that really fascinating. And usually with those uh, types of people, you get a lot of backstories and past lives. And that's where I go, ooh, let's talk about that. So um, the property is a great industry to to use storytelling um, and to to do a kind of brand documentary with as well. Yeah. I liked your um, Dark Side of Property post that you put up recently. That was quite it was eye-opening and it was also kind of, I was also a little bit like, wow, I couldn't believe that someone would hand over such a vast sum of money up front. And how did that person get away with it? My experience of the property industry is that um, there's sort of huge opportunity there, obviously, to make, you know, profit, to be creative and to fulfill your yourself, you know, doing that. So it's very attractive to lots of entrepreneurial types and go-getters, hard workers. and However, I guess there's this, yes, there is this other side to it where there's a lot of people who want to, there's just a lot of, I suppose, sharks, really. I mean, is the way to say it. Let's just call it what it is. It's It's got, and, but it's kind of manipulative because it's sort of like, oh, they, you know, in this guise of helping people on their property journey. Um, but actually, I'm just going to take a load of money from you up front. And then, you know, and, and pe- I mean, the thing of getting into uh, dodgy property financial deals is not is very well known. You know, that is part and parcel of this industry. I think you you need to do your due diligence before. But I think in that video, it was about talking about um, this lesser known side of it where, you know, these property mentors, people who are meant to be in this position to support and help you were, are actually doing the swindling as well. So it's like a double whammy of risk there. And um you know, I think for for Claire Norwood, who's in this in whose story it was in the video, I think it was very much about being so keen to, you know, get in there, make things work, find a project, which is one of the biggest challenges in property is actually finding decent projects. And so, yeah, she was sort of keen. She trusted the person. There was a relationship there already. Uh, you know, that obviously, you know, just was not the person that that she thought they were. So, yeah. In property yourself marina have you do you ever sell properties what what was your involvement in property um no i think for a while i was um really keen on um if i could you know yeah getting a, a property a very rundown property and redeveloping it mm. this was in 2016 um but I think, honestly, I, I, I'm sort of slightly uh, the more I see what what is required really for property development. I think uh, publicly people see, um, you know, this transformation and they see they see someone who's already got money, mm. borrow more money mm. to then make this thing which makes more money. You know, I think that's the perception of it. But uh, my understanding and getting to know property developers a bit is there's an incredible amount of risk and hard work and um, a lot of them put their own money in you know to these things to 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 make them work and you never know what the market's going to do you don't know whether covid is around the corner i guess so 
it's very volatile and I so I to, to answer your question I think it's too it's too stressful for me <laughs> I don't think I'd thrive that well doing property regularly I, I would like to buy a property you know and probably do a, pro- a renovation project eventually but um, it wasn't it became something that was like I think I'll you know see how this goes as opposed to really wanting to jump in with it yeah I don't think I know anybody who's taken on a property renovation project and not had an immense amount of stress, lost an immense amount of money. And generally, people tend to go through multiple builders and it just sounds like a nightmare to me. When did authenticity become important to you? I think what's really I'm just going to sort of like contextualize this with what I saw happening in in social media and in branding over the last few years I'd say probably since really 2016 17 18 I think we suddenly realized there was this opportunity to um you know come into these platforms like Instagram and not only was it going to be a place to be personal actually we could use it for business and everybody jumped in and then there was a sort of like how are we actually doing this what do we look like we need to bring the brand with us and there was this whole sort of massive um kind of growth um of uh, marketing in that area hmm. but then I think I, I it was around 2018 and I sort of thought we sort of reached it to, in my mind we reached this peak place where we'd sort of lost I think we'd lost connection a bit with the social part we'd become very much about the brand and about um, the services we could offer and about advertising um, huge amount of revenues you know being spent and still are you know on um uh, Instagram and Facebook not so much on LinkedIn yet I don't think but um and I kind of thought I think we where do we go after a peak like this mm-hmm. I think we're going to want to search for that connection again we're going to kind of go oh wait a second we're not really building we're not building connections we're not building real relationships um are we just talking at people and having them kind of go oh what a lovely photo so I think I reached a point as well in my life where I was sort of like, what, what is my brand? What am I about? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd had this period off, off work, actually, quite a few months, and I'd had time to think about it. And I sort of thought, I don't think it's this. I don't think it's this kind of veneer branding area that I want to go into. I think I'm really interested in people themselves and stories and and business, you know, the challenges that we have in business and the journeys that we go through as business owners. So I thought, um, as best I can, it took a while to develop, but as best I can, I'll develop this idea that it's marketing at the at the core of it. We're still putting something out there and we have something to sell, but we just don't have to do it this way anymore. We can do it very authentically by telling real stories, by being present, by being ourselves. And I thought, I think we're going to want this now. You know, I think I think we're reaching for it. And then add to that political, mm-hmm. you know, the political landscape and what's been going on there and um, various movements from, you know, gender through to race. Obviously, it, people are really wanting to know who who stands for what and being really clear on that and so putting that in there as well it's sort of like why would we not be authentic you know why would we not be ourselves why are we constructing another version of ourselves and for me I didn't want to do that again you know I think I've gone through a different lots of different versions of myself through my 20s and all of that and I think I, I definitely got to the point where I was like I just 
want to I just want to be me natural and you know do my thing and whoever's on board is on board and whoever isn't isn't and that's okay you know and what kind of clients do you work with so I tend to work with people who are at a certain stage of their business so they are usually entrepreneurs they may have more than one business already and um, they're quite experienced they're even they're even proficient in social media so it's not about teaching social media what it's about is letting people know more about this person who who is the person behind the brand you know who who are they what are they about um why 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 do they do what they do um what challenges have they had and what do they want to do now and the people that tend to want to do this journey with me um are ready to kind of be a bit more visible or maybe they're not that ready actually but they want help to do it <laughs> so um they will be like okay I think there's something for me here I want to I want to share more of my experience and knowledge to help others I want to um discuss some of these issues that I feel aren't being discussed you know things like that that's what drives them now and uh, I can help them put that story out there um, and use their content in a way that really draws people to those ideas. I did it very up and down, you know, probably over two years, really. And I'd have to try a few things and go, oh, no, that's not quite me. That's not that's not quite it. Um, let's go over here. Let's try this. And um, it's quite experimental as a journey um, and therefore always interesting. <laughs> um, it can be challenging at times, um, putting things out there that you don't know, you know, what the reaction is going to be, but you feel that it's right, but you're not sure. Um, and that's why I think having a very empathetic person with you to do that journey is quite important. Um, I was mostly empathetic with myself, <laughs> kind of. Um <laughs> Uh, but I had support in other areas as well. But um, yeah, I think it's about the support to do that because it's big steps. It's big steps and it's very out there. Why do we find it such a sort of uncomfortable thing to do? Like I'm trying to be much more myself with my yoga brand. Every time I post something that I think is a little bit more me, it always feels a little bit like, oh, I don't know how people are going to take this. Why is it that we struggle or it feels a bit uncomfortable sometimes to be our real selves? I think, and again, well, coming back to social media and how it went the last few years, I think what we were trying to do there and what, what it seemed like the best idea was to do was to only take the best parts of yourself mm. and very professional parts of yourself and just put that out there. It was almost like it was becoming like a moving website more than social media. And actually, you know, what we started with was much more real, you know, showing people our terrible failed cakes and, you know, not really that great photos, maybe a little bit dark and, you know, but it was all very real. And then I think we've, we've gone through this sort of very glossy phase. And now I think we're finding a balance between the two that is being able to put more of yourself out there um, and you're vulnerable, you know, be vulnerable and show that you're not this perfect person, but that you're very real. What you see is what you get. And um, that actually works really well for people. I think we struggle with it because it, it forces us to examine what that is a bit, you know, like you get those uncomfortable moments like you've described of going, well, I kind of want to put this out there, but Ooh, what's this person going to think? And we might even have a few 
distinct voices in our head going, oh, you know, like uh, disapproval or judgment, maybe. And maybe we've been judged before for putting something out there. Um, and then it's made us feel, you know, worried about that. So I definitely, you know, I 100 percent identify with the challenge. What has worked for me um, and what helps with with client work as well is we just start to like eke out things very gently step by step. We don't suddenly go from one thing and then like, oh, now it's this, you know, other thing which would totally sort of freak out the person and also probably be a bit like, huh, mm-hmm. for followers. So we just kind of like take it step by step. And there's a there's a period before we even post anything where we explore what some of these things are and get back in touch with them. If we're not really in touch with those parts of ourselves, it's going to feel weird anyway, trying to put something out about that. It's just going to feel incongruent and odd. And and then people feel that as well from the from the content. So it's an explorative stage to begin with. Um, lots of compassion. You know, it's really about looking at those parts and, and accepting what we can out of them and then going, OK, what's the story here maybe it would be nice to talk about that actually I really care about it okay great let's that's one area we can talk about and we we kind of get these uh these areas to work with um and then we start slowly you know and we go okay here's a story about this let's see what happens and, and the exciting bit is um you really notice the shift online really notice it um people are commenting people are having a conversation people are identifying with you so there's fewer comments that are like high five only and like nothing else. And you get many more comments going, oh, I'm, you know, I I also had this experience. Um, and we start to share more things with each other, which I think is huge. I think it's huge for relationships, but it's it's great for business as well. Yeah. Have you got experience in branding then? I mean, I did. I sort of dipped in. I I've been one of these people that always started with a role like project manager or business manager and then ended up being doing the creative stuff and being like, actually, you know, we need a new we need to rebrand here. Like it's just not giving the right message. So for me, it was just more shaping a brand um, from what it is, bringing in that conversation. Yeah, I do always think that when you're creating a brand, you do you have to think about it as you are creating a person and you're creating this um, this person that you want to emotionally connect with other people and I think at the heart of that authenticity being real is the thing that we can connect with my favorite people are the ones who I can be completely real amongst I think people worry that um I think the resistance is like if we're too authentic we're going to lose a certain set of people you know who are not going to be up for this kind of thing but actually I think if you look at that strategy long term, they're probably not really loyal clients anyway. Like none of us are very loyal anymore to brands because we've got so much choice. Um, We also are very much more discerning and picky because of the values of a brand. So we might be like, oh, that's a nice thing, but we're not going to follow them Mm. if they don't have a story, if they don't have a connection that speaks to us. We're not going to carry on. Mm. We're not going to. Yeah, we're not going to be loyal to them. And um so people fear that they're going to lose a, uh, a set of customers. However, you might gain much more long term loyal customers um, and clients who are just with you for the whole journey, no matter what happens, because they really get you. You get them. It's like friendships, I guess. You know, it's sort of like 
we you know we want people who like you said where we can be totally ourselves um and we can grow and develop together um so it seems like a risk but actually it's not really a risk it's I think it's quite strategic thinking and that and that's why I built this business on it I'm like this is actually strategy it's not um it's not just lovely storytelling um it it's actually a marketing strategy that that's designed to really work you know so yeah you posted the other day on LinkedIn a picture of yourself with one half of your hair had been done and that went on to LinkedIn and then on the other side it was like I'm not too worried about this and this is on Instagram do you think there is definitely a um, a difference between how we need to communicate on these different platforms so how do you what do you think or do you think we should just be ourselves everywhere <laughs> I'm really enjoying this discussion on LinkedIn I really am because I feel like what's coming back from that discussion so I've been asking people on LinkedIn you know yes that's exact question so do you feel that you have to be professional here in on LinkedIn because it's like super sort of it's the place where you've got to be your best you know performing self and then are you somebody different on on Instagram and I, I would totally understand if people were and most people said they were they were like I'm much more relaxed on Instagram mm. um, however I'm seeing quite an uptake of people who want to relax a bit more on LinkedIn you know I think there is this yeah that we don't have to be different and also on LinkedIn we don't have to be talking constantly about uh, just business things you know like um, you know promotions and our values and how we help clients I think people are just overwhelmed with that now I think there needs to be something else mm. even in spaces like LinkedIn um, and so people are looking for a way to do that on LinkedIn and they're not sure how understandably it feels much more risky over there mm. I want to um, I sort of set myself a target and I was like I'm gonna kind of you know ruffle up some maybe not ruffle feathers but I'm going to kind of you know jizzy this around over on LinkedIn because I want to see what I want to see what's possible um and the kind of engagement we got and that hair post went on and on and on I just it was a few thousand uh views in the end which is quite which is quite telling that you know people do want to talk about it so um yeah really good uh what's your stance then on um uh, being political because you you are quite actively political I think on um on Instagram did that carry through onto to LinkedIn as well where do you what do you think oh I'm really glad you brought this up Caroline because um we're obviously particularly as we record this um today um we're in this really interesting time right when um, a lot is going on in the world and um one of the conversations I found myself in a few times last week with different people all business owners but with different people was like how do I post about the Black Lives Matter movement um as a white person or as a mixed race person um what do I is this something I shouldn't be talking about with my with my brand um is this something you know what do I do and I realized that I had absolutely no answer for that question um being a, a, a white business owner obviously as well so I thought actually what I what what might be helpful for us at the moment um is to have a series of 
seminars, perhaps, with um, black business leaders yeah. about what we can talk about, you know, in our content, you know, what is appropriate, what is inappropriate, but also if we want to help, as so many business white business owners do, uh, as far as I can see, how do we best do that um, without clouding the issue, you know, with more stuff, you know, how do we not like drown out, you know, the people that we should be listening to? And so these were the questions that have been coming up. So am I political? Um, I think I feel really strongly about things and I could definitely see myself getting very involved in that side of it. But I, I am also on this journey of asking myself constantly, what is the what is my intention? Mm. Who am I trying? What am I trying to do with this? Why? You've got to keep going. Why? 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 Um, I think it is easy for us um, to fall into the trap of kind of going, oh, yeah, I agree with that. And we sort of repost something. And um I just think I think actually we can do a lot more and I don't mean take a whole ton of action, but I mean more sort of purposeful action mm. if we think about it a bit more. And that that's where I'm at with it anyway. Um, so I'm going to see if we can put together these um, these seminars. I spoke to somebody yesterday. Um, they were keen, they, a, a black business owner, and she thought it was, you know, uh, useful. That was the thing. It was like, is this going to be useful or is it going to be more noise? She said it. I think it'll be useful. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about this amongst all kind ethnicities of business owners. So let's do it. So hopefully uh, next week I'm going to do a couple of LinkedIn polls to find out what people are thinking about it uh, beforehand. And then, yeah, we'll do a series. But I probably am a bit more political. Yes, yeah. it's part of Marina, I guess. <laughs> that sounds like a really useful thing to do and be really interested to hear what you end up doing in that space. How have you found lockdown? We're in week 11, I think, um, if I'm correct, 11 or 12. It's quite funny because... I've I found lockdown a very productive time for me. And I don't mean in that like, oh, I've, you know, learned a new language, you know, all of that. It's it, it's not been that at all for me. What what it has given me is um a lot of space to be working on my business as well as in the business. Um and that's been great. I, I'm fortunate to have a an okay setup here. I can, you know, I have desk space. I I live alone, so I haven't got people distracting me either. So I realise that my situation is quite um, unique, really, and I can I can get on with work here. Um, I also quite like working alone, so you know this all helps. <laughs> I feel like I'm sort of like you know have the have the uh, the upside of it, really. Um, on the other hand, you know it's been lonely as well. I don't enjoy doing everything on screen, um, and we need people in our lives and um, I think the challenge has been to find things to do uh, that don't involve more networking for work or work related things I think I've struggled to sort of go okay what yeah what activities can I you know I did a, a dance class with my sister on Instagram it's like a live dance class that was fun but you know those kind of things are probably few and far between I have to work quite hard to think of those things and actually do them so yeah how have you found it yeah I have to say I've actually enjoyed it um like but I've been very lucky I had my friend uh, Amy she she was meant to be moving to Dubai and just before lockdown all happened she couldn't leave um 
uh, obviously, because there was no planes. So I was just said to her, well, why don't you come and stay here? Because I've got a spare room. You can come and um, stay with me as long as you like. And I'm living on my own as well. So so she did that. And um, and yeah, we've it's been amazing because we're both quite creative people. So we've kind of um, she's a singer songwriter. She's turned my upstairs bedroom into a studio and shown me how to make like videos for Instagram so I've been getting very in into um we've both been getting very productive yeah. yeah absolutely I think um I think everybody's had to look at how they spend their time and whether it's valuable like to them and when I say valuable to them I don't mean being productive and reaching outcomes and I I mean more like Am I actually really uh, getting value from this time? Am I actually living my life? Um, and I was thinking the other day, I was like, probably at home as well, people would, there's probably a lot of adjustments within people's homes. And you kind of go, actually, why on earth do we have this over here? This doesn't like bring joy, <laughs> just just <laughs> to pick up on uh, Marie Kondo. But, you know, it, this doesn't work or why are we dealing with it? Why are we paying this subscription to this? You know, we're not even using it. I mean, I imagine that a lot of awareness has come out of um, this. It certainly has for me. Yeah. It's um, the other thing that's been quite nice. I mean, I, I miss the connection with people, I have to say. Um, uh, and that's that actually was quite funny as well, because I'm quite a solo person in, in some ways. I've lived on my own for quite a few years. And um and I don't mind spending time on my own, but I have noticed the like, yeah, just the it's been annoying that you can't just go and meet someone, have a cup of tea or go and go for a drink at the pub or whatever. Or another positive for me was that I live in um, a place called Bearstead in, in Kent and I hadn't discovered like all of the amazing nature around me, like amazing walks just behind me that I'd never gone on before. And it's been really lovely for that. And the other thing I will also mention is I only filled up my car for the first time yesterday in about 11 weeks. Absolutely. Um, I don't drive, but I haven't, you know, I haven't missed tube journeys and going into town and, you know, running around and all of those in between times when you've got like an hour and a half between meetings, but you have to find somewhere to sit. And that just drives me mad, actually. <laughs> I try to find somewhere with a plug and yeah. all of this kind of thing. Um, and I just think actually, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like what, what, and it's it's energy sucking as well, you know, to a certain extent. So that will be one of the things I'll take forward is how much time do I want to spend in, in town during the week? Probably just probably just maybe even a day, maybe two days max. And the rest of the time is at home just getting getting on with the stuff, you know, getting on with the creative stuff. So how do you manage your time effectively? Yeah, um, working on that. <laughs> but um, I think for now, I'm definitely a morning person. So uh, interviews like this one mm -hmm. and um, doing the kind of core creative work I would always do in the morning. I don't feel like much goes on <laughs> creatively after about 4 p.m. for me. Mm -hmm. um, I... I don't know. I've been trying out a bit of a Spanish, like, what would it feel like to be up, uh, you know, uh, early, do the my work, the bulk of my work in the morning, then have a kind of siesta. And then if I need to come back to something later, 
maybe just an hour and a half or two hours in the evening. And I've I've done that a couple of times because I because I had a nap <laughs> and I was like, I actually I still have stuff to do. <laughs> um and um I quite liked it actually. It was sort of like, why do I have to look at this block of time like this eight hour stretch? Um and is that even like where does that come from? Is that effective? Is it you know, and at some point during that eight hours, I'm going to be sitting there going, uh, like, I don't, you know, I'm not getting anything done, like, because I probably just need to do something else or go out and have a walk or so I'm kind of playing around with the time at the moment um, and seeing all the different possibilities. I've also toyed with the idea of actually working on a Sunday, mm-hmm. um, which is not Christian, he's listening, but uh, like splitting the week. <laughs> I know I just realized I was like because somebody somebody the other day said oh I would never work on Sunday because it's a day of rest and I thought well that's very true for a lot of people but I thought well maybe trying out working on a Sunday and then having Wednesday having a midweek day off oh, yeah. and seeing how that feels yeah. I know it's like what would happen if I did that you know would and do I need two days in a row always to rest or is it actually better that I break up this this Monday to Friday with a day off in between and see how that goes so I, I'm experimenting yeah. yeah that's interesting um do you, what about when you you're quite an ideas person I remember last time I was speaking to you you said you had some kind of method of um like uh, where you're put your you'll have your little post-it notes, you'll put your ideas up on the wall, and then how do you work out which ones you want to move with? Um, Again, like all a process, Um, but I think getting them out of my head is the first thing, so definitely putting them somewhere. Um, I used to juggle, until really recently, I'd sort of have a sketchbook full of things, and then some things would be online and some things would be on the wall, I just want this to be a lot more refined now so it goes out of my head and onto um, a post-it note because they're right here and I can just write it down stick it on the wall um, and then from there um, I use um, an online uh, platform called Trello obviously there are loads of other ones um, that you can use um, to organize your like workflow but what I like about it is that it's very similar to post-it notes you have um little cards and you move them around and it's exactly the same thing so I thought all right let's get smart about this um because otherwise we're gonna have 4,000 post-it notes and then it's a nightmare so every now and again it's looking at those and going is this is this a is this a nice to have is this essential right now is this a really great idea that's going to you know refine something that's going to really help me now or is it like an idea in development and trying to imperfectly put them into some different categories and that's helped as well because I can just go okay I don't need to carry on thinking about that right now because it's just not a priority I might be really into it and be like I just want to see it in my hands but um (laughs) I should probably just leave it at that point Mm. get on with what I you know need to do and as a creative person I don't know whether you identify or any of the listeners would identify but you know, finishing things for us is really key. Um, you know, we're very good starters and we're very good at getting things off the ground. It's seeing things through that might be a challenge. I like what you just said about um, maybe working on Sundays and switching it all up. And like, why do we have to be so rigid about uh, Monday to Friday, nine to five? Yeah, it's just interesting. I definitely like to switch things up and not be so rigid with the time. 
What's most important to you? Oh, <laughs> that's like a big question. What's most important to me? Um, I'd say a sense of connection mm. um, is the most important thing to me. And what I mean by that is a connection to purpose and a connection to people. Um, I absolutely have 100% have learned that I need both of those. It is my personality type to be purposeful. I think I, I am very miserable without a vision or a goal. I mean, I can't even imagine it really. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I would sort of decline very quickly. Um, and I, I definitely need, you know, connection with people and help and support. That's where I get all my inspiration from. Um, is from other people and from the the interactions I have, which is a weird thing because people I'm actually an introvert, mm. and people say, um, "Well, that's not true." Then you must, but it, it, I think introverts don't dislike people or or um, suffer with people. You know, it's just that we have to like top ourselves up a lot. So I do find myself finding the balance as best I can between those interactions and with solitude, which helps me to recharge again. Um, and just not going totally crazy on the out there stuff because I, I will burn out quite quickly is what I've learned. So, yeah, what's more, what's important? Uh, connection. Um, and I'll just leave it there. Connection. Yeah. Are you OK acknowledging your achievements? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> uh, good, good question. Again. Um. I really like your idea of writing things down in the evening because there may be things on that list that, you know, I guess weren't planned, but actually I've, you know, achieved and things. Um, I'm better at it. Mm. I think I used to be just very blinkered in the goal setting and I would just be like heading for that goal, not listening to anything else, you know, just being like, I, you know, I'm just going to cap, you know, working really hard at it and, you said you used the word rigid earlier. It's like actually that was really rigid and not really very kind to myself. Um, and actually it kind of kills creativity that for me, that kind of thing. So being a bit more relaxed and giving myself a bit of a pat on the back is definitely, definitely helps. Um, it's a practice. Yeah. <laughs> Where does it come from, do you think? I think I've always felt like things should be just and fair. Um, and when I feel really strongly about something, like I, I do want to spring into action, um, which sounds really jazzy. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean that I'm like super effective all the time with that, by the way, mm -hmm. but it just means that I am kind of driven by, I'm driven by those, those inner values, I think a lot, um, I did a personality test last year and it, it highlighted the same thing really and was like you're all about like the purpose and the yeah. values and if something doesn't sit right with you you cannot get on board with it and I was like oh my god that's so true I just can't I can't lip service something I have to I have to kind of you know do something that mean means something to me and, and hopefully to other people um yeah I think it's I think it's always been there um I like to have a voice about something as well if I can. Um, and yeah, and I enjoy doing a lot of different things. I've realized as well, I 
I'm not great just working on one thing. Um, I'll become quite obsessive about that thing and it just becomes very not enjoyable quite quickly. Um, So having a a bunch of different things that I can dip into, yeah, is, is, is really good for me. Yeah. All right, final thing, just to wrap it up, could you just tell me a little bit more about Get Knotted and that process of making a film and are you going to make another one? Sure. Um, well, yes, definitely going to make another one at some point. Um, so Get Knotted um, came up as like an opportunity, actually. I wasn't thinking about making films at the time. This was early 2018. I had written this short script, comedy script, and I just had it around. I didn't, I don't know, I didn't, I mean, obviously I thought it would be nice to make, get it made one day, but I hadn't, it just wasn't really in my mind that much. And then I I met someone through a friend and he said, oh, I make short films. You know, do you what? Can I have a look at the script? And I said, well, sure. Yeah. And he he wrote back and said, I just loved it. I was laughing out loud. Let's make this. Let's just make this happen. So we um, without much of a budget, we crowdfunded the film. You know, it was all on the side. We were both working full time doing other things. And um, we just put it together. He he brought in um, a location that we could do it from and um, some of the actors because he was an actor as well. So he knew other people. I sorted out the the funding, so sort of producing it, essentially, um, you know, getting the plan together and and, um, and working with the story. And then, yeah, it just happened from there. And, and it, for us, it was about and I really want to share this with people because it's so important, like, we just put a date in. We were like, we're filming it on this day. Like, just you know, don't. We didn't. Have, we didn't get everything totally ready first before the date. We just said, right, April 29th, That's when we're filming this, and um, that really helped us to actually just get it done. We were like, we're filming it over one day, and it, it, it took about a day. It's it's five minutes long, which is always interesting to see. Oh, really, it takes a day to do about five minutes of film. Yep, <laughs> um, maybe a bit more. Yeah. And um, and then off we went. It, we we filmed it in Homerton. It was about Notting Hill, but we filmed it in Homerton because that's the way you, what you have to do sometimes with filmmaking. <laughs> we didn't have a Notting Hill location for it, um, unfortunately. I did check out some locations, and but you know it just wasn't going to be possible. Um, but the way we filmed it, but we had real footage from the carnival though that we used. So the carnival is definitely the carnival. We've not we've not fluffed that, yeah. um, but just the the interior flat scenes, etc. And it was just a load of fun. I absolutely loved doing it. Um, people were brilliant with support on Kickstarter. They pledged, they helped, they were present with it. And that was that meant everything to the process because it was like my first time making a film. Um, so, yeah, it was it was brilliant. Um, anyone who's looking to make a short film, like just do it, you know, m- muddle through, get whoever you can together and just just go for it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. What was the budget? So the budget in the end, and like around two thousand. Yeah, I think I think we raised something like seventeen hundred and seventy. You know, it wasn't a big thing, but I made sure everybody got paid. I'm really like strong opinion about this. <laughs> I'm like I made sure everybody who was present uh, on the day got paid something. It wasn't a high, you know, fee, but nobody was working for free on the day, and and I. I'm glad I, I'm glad we did it that way. Um, I think it's possible to to crowdfund these things and and give give dues to the to the effort and experience that people are bringing to the to the production. Yeah. 
Uh, that's interesting. Um, you what you said about setting the date. Um, last in the last podcast I recorded with a friend of mine, Zoe. She's a theatre maker, and I was asking her how do you um, how do you see a, an idea for it? from start to finish and she said the main thing is you set your dates and you tell people right we're going to do this then we're going to get booked by this certain um, theatre company and we're going to be putting on a show before you even have the idea properly like fleshed out because as soon as you've locked people in you are you you become accountable to them and you have to basically live up to that expectation and that makes that's a big driving factor for her to finish a play um so yeah it sounds like that's similar from what you're saying yeah couldn't agree more I just don't think we would have done it if we had faffed around thinking about who and what and where I think we had to just put the date in and then and then everything else could go from there definitely I, I've got to remember that for most of the forthcoming projects like just get the date in it will happen you know let's just go for it all right well thank you so much I think I've covered everything that I wanted to talk to you about from um, authenticity to being political online and all of the advice you've given around um, time management and 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 making a film as well it's been really good to it's been good to talk currently and then also kind of go back to the past and then back to the present and yeah that's been good actually thank you so much marina i know i found that super valuable as well as interesting you are one inspiring lady you can follow marina on instagram at the real life of brands go check her out her live videos are always super awesome Tune in next time to throw more topics of conversation down the hole. Stay safe. Bye.